Welcome to The Vine Time with Melanie Bolick. Today's guest is Van Potts of Massachusetts. Hi, Van. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. But I am from Rhode Island. Oh, pardon me. Yeah, but you live in Massachusetts. Is that correct? No, I live in Rhode Island. Oh, you do? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. You know why I'm thinking this? It's because of Westport Rivers. So you yes. were probably working for them, and they're so close to the border. That's what it is. That's how yep. I, I know of you, if that makes sense. So well, Van Potts of Rhode Island, welcome. Thank and, you. You know, I, I tell me about your wine story. Well, you know, uh, I got into wine in uh, really when I got married in 1994. Um, we, my wife and I, went on our honeymoon to Napa Valley, and I remember walking around going, "Wow, this would be really cool." Which it probably happens to a lot of people, and and um, so I was in the pharmaceutical industry, and um, you know. I kept doing that. And I, and back in the days of CompuServe, does anybody remember CompuServe? You know, none of the, Sounds the familiar. probably remember CompuServe, but CompuServe was, you know, there were three ways to get online. It was like CompuServe, AOL online. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so Everyone I was an AOL account. Yeah. I helped manage the wine page on CompuServe. So it was like, wow. uh, you know, and um, uh, this guy, uh, Bill Russell, messages me and he said, you know, because my handle was Van Potch slash R.I. So what does R.I. stand for? He said Rhode Island. He goes, ah, you should come over and check out our our vineyard sometime. So I did and fell head over heels in love with all the stuff that Westport was doing, because I think um, they're one of the you know world class producers and they're right, right here in New England. And so. um uh, probably 1999, they asked me to do a consulting project for them. And then in uh, the year 2000, they extended an offer for me. And, you know, the first I said, yeah, I'm not really interested in that because it was about a 70% pay cut from where I was in the pharmaceutical industry. But right. then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I got, I have no debt. I have no children. I have no, why not? So I did it. And uh, the rest is history. Oh, fantastic. And so what exactly were you doing for them? Well, I was vice president of marketing and sales, and I ran both the winery and the brewery in terms of marketing and sales. There was a brewery there, yes. Yeah, so Buzzards Bay and uh, and wine. I, you know, the one thing I learned about uh, uh, selling beer with Buzzards Bay is that I don't ever want to do it again. I mean, it, <laughs> beer is um, brutally difficult to sell. It's artificial, um, especially in New England because there's so many breweries here. Yeah, you get lost um, unless you have a good distributor like Burke in Massachusetts or something like that. Yeah, uh, I kind of inadvertently grew up in the beer business here because I I moved to Portland in 1992 and that's when David Geary was brewing. He just passed away, and um, you know Gritty McDuff's had just opened and Shipyard was you know starting. So I kind of grew up with them, if that makes sense. And then many years later, I worked at a place called John Harvard's Brewhouse. If you've ever heard of that. And so I, I learned a little bit about beer there as well. Um, but getting back to Westport, um, you know, so what kind of grapes were they growing? Well, that was the thing that was so exciting about them is um, they were, and I think they still are. I don't know for certain, but they were 100% vinifera. So they were, they had Chardonnay, they had Riesling, they had Pinot Noir, they had Pinot Meunier. Um, they had R. Cazzatelli, which is a Russian vinifera varietal. Um, they had... Um, uh, I think that was it. I think those were right. the primary varietals, but um, and, and I think that was what was so exciting because most of the wineries here in the Northeast have both vinifera and hybrids. And hybrids, yeah, most um, of the ones in Maine are growing hybrids. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I understand why, but you know, the uh, I, 
maybe it's a personal prejudice, but um, you know, I think Greenvale does some pretty nice things with hybrids, but uh, for the most part, I kind of like the Vinifera. And where's Greenvale located? Greenvale is in um, um, close to Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, I think they're, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be there tomorrow visiting and tasting through everything with, um, with the one. Uh, they, I think they really are just absolutely, they are a, an incredible class act and everything they're doing is really spectacular. Oh, good. I'll check them out then. And so um, where exactly were you selling the wine for Westport Vineyards? So like, what I did is I moved that, yeah, I moved that wine pretty much. Before I started, they were basically just in Massachusetts, Rhode Island. But I expanded the footprint um, from Maine to New Hampshire to Massachusetts to Rhode Island to Connecticut and Maryland and New York and Washington, D.C. So we were doing a little bit of everything. And, you know, and when... And what gets difficult for, I think, any business is once you leave your backyard, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to start thinking differently. You can't think like the backyard. You have to think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately, um, where they kind of landed was we feel like we need to own the backyard. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we did do some things that were owning the backyard. But, you know, the, the challenge for any small winery and especially a winery that's not in Sonoma or Napa or, um, you know, Oregon or something like that. The problem is that it gets really difficult to command a $25 or $30 retail price point. Sure. And that just makes the economics just brutal, sure. you know, because um, you, you really can't do things. You can't scale things up to make, uh, you know, 10,000 cases of something. So I find that, you know, Jonathan Edwards has one of the more interesting stories here in New England, and that is, they understand that. They completely get that. So what they do is they bring a lot of bulk juice in from California and right. bottle, and they and they're successful. That's what Cellar Door does in Maine. Yeah. So most of, we have a lot of small uh, wineries here who are growing mainly uh, hybrid grapes, uh, either French American hybrids or, or uh, Minnesota hybrids. And right. then um, Cellar Door does that. They bring in bulk juice and then they produce wines, but then they also. I have grapes that they grow and if they have a season, because, you know, this year it's just rained all, all summer long and even the vegetable crops are rotting in the ground. So, you know, like you don't know how, you know, Maine summers are so unpredictable. Usually they're pretty predictable, but not this one. And uh, so nonetheless, um, they do that as a backup. And I think that's why they're so successful. Um, but we, there are some, I met some winemakers mid coast who are actually growing vinifera and they are being, you know, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and somewhat successful. They're doing some interesting things and growing them, but they're they're experimenting here now because it's getting warmer too. Yeah, you know, I, I think it can be done. Um, and I think it I just think it it is a long road to making money. You know, sure. the saying in the wine business is uh, what's the quickest way to make a million dollars in the wine business? And the answer is start with five or ten million. And um, you know, I think that that's the situation here in in the Northeast. I think you know, the original concept over in Europe is um, cooperatives, and oh, of course. and I think that if we had cooperatives here in in the Northeast, there might be a little bit more success in terms of developing something that was considered, you know, um, well, there there are plenty of things that should be considered world class, but something that could get the word out that it was, you know could compete. So, you know, for example, Rieslings in upstate New York can sit with the best Rieslings in Alsace or Germany. Sure. Of course. 
And so outside of Westport Vineyards, what is, um, have you traveled around throughout the wine business or? Yeah, uh, very, it's a, I, I like to tell people the wine business when you, when you, especially on the supplier side mm-hmm. is, um, is really like kind of a rock and roll tour. It's kind of like, you know, really? it's on the, uh, I consider winemakers uh, rock stars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, 2 million miles of Delta diamond medallion, you know, yeah. it, I mean, people ask me, where's your office? I'm like, it's usually in an airplane. Um, and until COVID, you know, COVID obviously stopped a lot of that, but, um, but yeah, I've done all of Europe, all of, uh, all the United States. You know, we currently, my company currently operates in about 40 States, 40, maybe 42. And, um, so we're, you know, we do have a national footprint and, and who are you working for currently? So I own the company. It's called uh, Preston Lane and partners. Okay. And um, we're, uh, we, like I said, we do both importing and we do brokering. Right. And we, um, our, uh, our footprint is, is like I said, 40 some states. And then on the importing side, we're mostly focused with uh, French, um, but we're equal opportunity employers. If we, if we find the right thing from somewhere else, we'll, we'll bring it in. Sure. Um, we had somebody approach us from Australia uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent certain it's the right time just right this minute. Um, but you know, the, the wine business is going through some some interesting changes right now. Oh, interesting. Nice. And so then then what do you do? You you help broker and import wines. And then do you have a network that you go to with these? Yeah. Products? Yeah. So uh I, I tell people all the time, we we are a solution. We're an outsourced solution for a winery that is either too small to have its own sales force oh, nice. or doesn't want to deal with the aggravation. So we've had everybody from a thousand case producer to uh, at one time we represented um, the Champagne Alliance, which was uh, Champagne Jacquard and Champagne Montedon. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is the largest landowner in Champagne and the second largest producer in Champagne. Sure. So um, they were huge. They could afford to have 10 people over here if they wanted, but they didn't want to deal with the aggravation of it. So they hired us to do it. And we did a five-year contract and put them on the map. And once we, once they were on the map, they felt like they could take over and do it themselves. Right. So they did. Okay. So you, you fit a need. Do you have anyone doing customs and clearance for you or do you outsource that to someone else? We clear it ourselves. We oh, have, okay. we have all the licensing. And so okay. um, we've done everything from clearing and, um, warehousing and reselling to, you know, somebody calls us and says, uh, HEB in Texas wants to buy a thousand cases of this particular wine. Can you clear it? And we clear it for two or 3%. Right. Oh, okay. Very good. Nice. And, uh, where is your base? Are you based in an airplane or are you in Rhode Island? Uh, my office is, uh, kind of in Rhode Island, East Grand mm-hmm. Rhode Island, kind of, um, you know, but, uh, in January, February, March and uh, June and July, it was actually in an airplane. So. Oh, there you go. So that's what happens when you're in the wine business. Yeah. And do you go over to uh, like Dusseldorf and all the wine fairs or no? Yeah, we've done Provine. We've done uh, wine fairs. We actually have skinned it down now. We just right. do wine fairs. Um, you know, I love Provine, but um, I, for me, so Provine is two things. Number one, it's in Dusseldorf, and which is just not really a, you know, a fantastic destination to go hang out in anyway. Right. Uh, and whereas my Paris is in Paris and Paris is absolutely one of my favorite on earth, but, right. but um, it's why, you know, 
Provine is just so big right. that it's really kind of hard to get anything. It, it's like Benesli. Benesli is just so enormous. It is. Yeah. It, there's different sections of, for everything. Like this is Sicily and that is, you know, Piedmont. And it's just so big. It's hard to get around and, and it's hard to navigate a day, you know, to even get something to eat. And uh, you're drinking Amarone at nine o'clock in the morning, you know. Um, yeah. Getting back to France, we have a mutual friend from France, our friend yeah. Raymond Oz. So yeah. I worked for him for uh, about two and a half years in Harvard Square. Okay. He's like a dad to me. He's, he's you know, we were all a very tight-knit family in, at Sandrine's Bistro in Harvard Square. And so uh, many years later, when I created the show, my online show, which is Vinetime TV or VinetimeTV.com, um, we produced a pilot. So I produced a bunch of different shows for my show. Um, once on scallops, once on, on mussels, once on femurs. They're all on YouTube and XOTV.me. But we uh, produced a pilot that we're still holding on to. We haven't um, found anybody to pick it up yet. So that's what we're in the process of trying to get done. And the pilot was on Alsatian wine and Maine crab meat. And Raymond came up to Maine and we filmed a food and wine tasting. And as you can imagine, it was spectacular. It was amazing. Um, so how do you know, Raymond? Well, there have been a couple of chefs that have left a permanent um, uh, mark uh, on me and in my life. And he's one of the, uh, probably the handful, three or four. He's one of the greats. And, um, I met him when he owned Sandrine's and and we were, I was selling Westport Rivers to him. And the, the thing that was really interesting was he was buying Westport Rivers. He was pouring uh, the sparkling wine and I think the Chardonnay or maybe it was the, I can't remember, maybe the Riesling. I'm, I, I, I don't recall exactly, um, but, and so um, I fell in love with his cooking actually. Mm -hmm. And so I would go up there um, as often as I could and have dinner, you know, and back then they didn't have the the train service the way they have it now. And so I had to drive and that was the only, the only deterrent for me going yeah. to Sandrine's was that. Unless I you want to stay in the Charles Hotel or something like, like that. Sandrine's yeah. existed now and I could take the train up. And go back yeah. and forth. I would have been there, you know, once sure. every two or three weeks. But um, anyway, I, I'll never forget the time that uh, my wife and I sat down in the restaurant and, and uh, I said, Chef, I said, just service whatever you want to service. We're not going to order. Don't, don't even hand us a menu. Bring us the wine you want us to have, the food you want us to have, and everything else. And and I, I was to this day one of the most spectacular meals I ever had anywhere in the world. And um, and I remember the main course was calf brains. And I remember uh, you know, my wife kind of looking at me going, calf brains. And I was like, calf brains? And, Delicious. Oh, just absolutely melts in your mouth. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So um, and after that, you know, then uh, it, I couldn't get up there enough. And when, as a matter of fact, when um, when we started representing the Champagne Alliance in 2014 or 15, I can't remember what it was. He was the first guy that I called. Okay. And I said, uh, you, you know, I know you're a French wine guy. You got to try these wines. And so we had an appointment, went up there and sat down. So Fantastic. I have beautiful, beautiful memories there. Um, yeah. I learned a lot from him. I, if it wasn't for um, Sandrine's Bistro, I wouldn't have gotten involved in the wine business. So, and I, I got involved by being the bartender and trying to figure out what Pouille Fousse was and you know, and Chateauneuf du Pop. And then finally they were like, okay, we're going to teach you French wine. And that's where my foundation of French wine started. Then I went to Dublin, learned about Italian wine and and on it went. So I'm very grateful for Sandrine's. It was a very special place for any of those who went there. But 
Um, we, if anyone wants to see the uh, the not the pilot, but the trailer for the uh, Alsatian wine and um, crab meat episode is on my website, which is vinetimetv.com. So you can check it out there, and hopefully, if somebody picks up the pilot, we can actually have it aired. It's really fun. Well, I think I think one of the things that we should do, the three of us, you know, we import Alsatian wine, and I, and right. uh, and uh, I remember Chef Ost. I was talking to him. I think it was a messenger discussion or something. I wasn't actually talking to him, but uh, he knew Cab de Turkheim, which is the wine that we bring in, and um, and now we've we have a second one now that would be kind of fun to right. uh, buy with them. So. One of these days, we have to make an appointment and, and get out to uh, the farm where he is and, and taste Oh, yeah, it. for sure. So he works at Wilson Farm in Lexington, Massachusetts. And in the pilot, we actually went to Wilson Farm. It's a spectacular space. It's beautiful. Um, and he has them growing microgreens for him downstairs in the greenhouse. <laughs> like, he has them growing everything. It's perfect for him, really, because he's such a an amazing chef that, you know, it's like, oh, no, but I need this. We used to have this mushroom man who came into Sandrine's and he'd be like, oh, He's, I forget his name, Jeremiah or something like this. Jeremiah here, you know, <laughs> it's like it's the most important person in Raymond Ost's life was the mushroom man who came in every other Monday, you know, with a right. big, big basket of mushrooms. And then he would build his menus like according to that. So very farm to table, amazing man. So we're lucky to have him. Yeah. And so getting back to your company. So, so any organics or biodynamic wine in your portfolio or. So it, that's a really, really Great question that would probably require seven podcasts to really get it to see, um, the full answer. Sure. We don't have anything that is uh, specifically that way. We have um, in our portfolios, all of our growers are careful to um, to be, you know, they're very careful with what they do in the environment and in the vineyard. And I remember, you know, it was Rob Russell at Westport Rivers that actually gave me the, uh, the first lesson on that. And then... Um, a guy named um, Michael Rich, Michael, I can't remember his last name. He was the winemaker at um, at a um, uh, a winery in Carneros, and we talked about that. Victor Trinidu, who we represent, uh, the Trinidu Winery, he grows for Ridge, and Ridge right. is all organic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not and and then Trinidu is is not certified, but that doesn't mean that they don't produce. Yeah. And, you know, and spraying pesticides sometimes is okay too. It's just the point is to not constantly pollute the earth. That's the, that's the main goal right. <laughs> for everybody. We call it responsible wine production. And, yeah. you know, and, and when I was in Southwest France, I was walking around um, the vineyards that Chateau Clemence has another uh, property we bring in, you know, and Rob Russell said the same thing to me at Westport. You can tell when somebody is in the Appalachian doing something they shouldn't be doing. Sure. You can absolutely, a, a good wine uh, vineyard manager can tell. And so, um, you know, like what ends up happening in that situation is, you know, these guys, when they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, they get outed really, really quickly and and their neighbors get very irritated and frustrated right. with them. Where I think the difference that it matters to consumers is what happens in the winery and, um, you know, in terms of organic and so on and so forth. And I think that that's where there's a lot of room for discussion and debate and everything else. I know some of the local farmers here in Rhode Island, because I buy from our farmers. I typically don't buy from the grocery stores. And I know that our local farmers, one of them is certified organic. And I remember the person telling me, um, we knew more about the process than the people certifying us, right. which is a little scary. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. 
I think it's a little different in wine production in California. I think it's a little bit more controlled there, but it's in terms of the FDA and what is organic and what isn't. But, you know, I mean, I think that buying from local local people is always the best. That's what we always try to do. We have farmer's market here. We have them twice a week in Portland, Maine. And I think every major town in Portland, I mean, in Maine has a farmer's market. There's a great one in Bath in the on Fridays in the park. Uh, no, excuse me, not Bath, Brunswick. Uh, if you've ever been to Bowdoin College, you know that big park that's in the middle of the town. There's yep. a big farmer's market in the in the park every Friday. And uh, it's really the way to go, you know, if you can. In this day and age when everything is so expensive, I think it's cheaper to buy it from the farmer's market anyway. So yeah, to Westboard Vineyards, I actually used to sell, um, I used to sell wine down there. I worked for a company called uh, Yankee Distribution and I sold wine on, on the Cape for uh, a year. And well, but the better course of a winter. And then uh, from the Cape, I had to go down from Plymouth down to. Uh, so anyhow, I I sold wine down in your area, and I used to go to a place. It was in Westport. Uh, it was a like a market, the Westport Market. Is that correct? Does that make sense? Was it a grocery store? Yes, it was a grocery store, but they had a yeah. big wine shop. Yeah. So I sold yeah. wine there. But the interesting thing is, every single time I went down there, I had these amazing experiences. One time I went and I saw a turkey hawk, but I didn't know it was a turkey hawk. I'm like, oh my god, these birds were flying over me, and they had red bellies. My friends like, those are turkey hawks. That's why they call it Farsons Bay. I was like, oh okay, now I get it. And yeah. then another time I saw baby bobcat run across the road there, which is very cool. Just run across the road in front of me. So yeah. every time we went down there, it was like, you know, the call of nature. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really special place. So what's going on with them these days? You're no lo- you're not longer with them, but they're still producing wine. Is that correct? Yeah. I, you know, uh, my agent up in New Hampshire carries their wines and is very, very pleased with everything they're doing. And um right. And the labels look nice. I have not tasted through for quite a while. Um, so I don't really know. I'm not current and up to up to date. I do know from an Appalachian standpoint that um, they're perfectly situated to grow what they're growing. So barring something bizarre, I would be shocked if they're not still producing, you know, really, really spectacular wines. Wonderful. And there's another vineyard in Truro. Churro Vineyards? Have you heard of yeah. them? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of them, but I've never tasted. Yeah, I haven't either. I actually went to a wedding right behind where they are. It was on the water. Um, but we drove past them to get to the house, you know, that sort of thing. But I will get down there, hopefully this fall. Fall's yeah. always a good time to go to Cape Cod. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff to to do around southeastern New England. If, if you know, if you're a wine fan, if somebody if the you know the listeners out there are wine fans. And if you um, you just spend an hour or two, you know, on online and kind of researching, you can find plenty of really cool stuff to do, you know, between, I mean, there's Sakonet, which is, you know, obviously a little bit different, but um, uh, Greenvale, Newport Vineyards, Westport Rivers, Jonathan Edwards. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of really cool stuff to do around here. And then, you know, I haven't even, I've, so with my agent up in uh, New Hampshire, I've tasted a couple things that are local up there, but I haven't really you know, um, haven't really dove in in New Hampshire or Maine, you know? Oh, sure. Well, when you get up here, you must look me up and I'll, I'll take you around <laughs> or yeah. steer you in the right direction. But I will say in Maine, we actually have a website called Maine Wine Trails. And so if you check that out, it actually, um, it, it's kind of, I think it was put together by one of the wineries, but it actually gives you a, a, a little map of where all the wineries are in Maine. Um, one of them that's not on it is a friend of mine, Steve Melcheski who used to own USA Wine West, 
if you're familiar, another company that does very similar to what you do. Um, yeah. You should look them up. But anyhow, he doesn't own it anymore. But he lives up here, and uh, he is growing grapes in his back garden with his wife. And I did a show about this. It's on my show on online if you check it out on YouTube at VineTimeTV.com. Um, but uh, he has uh, Maine Coast Vineyards. So he actually produces uh, their hybrids, and he produces um, red wine in his back garden, and then he produces a white wine in Yarmouth somewhere. And so he's making wine right here in north north of Portland in Falmouth and Yarmouth. Oh, wow. Yeah, very cool. Um, so, yeah, when you come up, let me know. But um, I ask everybody this. What do you love? Well, I'm into, um, obviously, wine. And I'm into um, really great food and, um, you know, taking care of my health. Um, and I think that uh, health is, a you know, sadly in our culture and our society. It's one of the things that really gets overlooked today. I have a, True. it would take, you know, 27 podcasts to, to get into wh- why I believe that, but sure. um, I, I find it a really fascinating thing to to study and to understand. So um, that, yeah. that's what I love. You know, I, I mean, yeah, like, like any guy, I guess, I mean, I, or, you know, I know a lot of women that are sports fans too. I, I love, I mean, I love sports and I, you know, I love travel would probably be, you know, like it'd probably be, if I were to, if you, if you put me against the wall and said rank them, I'd probably would say, you know, food and wine kind of together, um, travel, uh, health and, um, sports. Those are all really good things. Good answers. And so I ask all of my guests this as well. Um, do you have a song for us today? Yeah, and the song is uh, uh, by Warrant. It's uh, Heaven. And, it, you know, Heaven isn't too far away. Is is right. actually a love song, obviously. But right. but I think um, it also really describes, you know, when when that when you're in the kitchen and your the plate hits the table, you know, heaven and the gl- and the wines in the glass, heaven yeah. heaven isn't too far away. And That's you know, and, and I love the idea that it happens uh, pretty much every day in my life. I I just I, I if you ask me the things I hate, I just hate shitty food. You know, like I can't right. stand um, a really crappy meal. So um, heaven isn't too far away on a plate and in a glass. That's, that's it. Well, that, here's your song. And thank you for your time. Have a great day, man. Where can people find you if they want to find you? Uh, PrestonLane.com. Uh, okay. Preston with a hyphen, Lane.com. Okay, good to know. I will find you then. Have a great day. Here's your song. I don't need- 